Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. We are back after a summer off. Not planned. We just couldn't be bothered, uh, really. Let's let's be honest. <laughs> uh, to be honest, since we last did a pod, not much has really happened in the summer in terms of signings or or much else apart from pre-season, which was, again, nothing to really talk about. Uh, but a lot has happened in the last week, so it should be... Uh, an interesting pod, uh, let's put it that way. I'm joined this week by the usual crew, AJ, Carl, and also Yara this week. How are you, boys? Good. good. Very good. Hot. Excellent. Excellent. Hot. Yeah, it is hot. I've got the uh, I've got the back sliding doors open, so if a bird flies in, hits me in the head, then you know what it is. Is it, is it still warmer outside than inside, though, mate? Uh, no, it's it's definitely cooler outside. Definitely okay, cooler all outside. right. Good. I did. Good. I did. You do make... know. You do know to keep your doors and windows closed if it's hotter outside than yes, inside. Yes. 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 Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've tried Just to tell that to sure my wife. Tried to tell that to my wife as well. Have you all, Have you all been without rain in the Midlands and that, or is is that just yeah. a southeast thing? Oh, yeah. We, no, had, we haven't had any. We had a well, little sprinkling. Yeah. You. We had some in between the heat waves a little bit, uh, yeah. but down in uh, down in London, it's even worse, isn't it? But yeah, we've had a couple of fires. Mostly, mostly private parks been on fire. So the yeah. uh, the Licky Hills went on fire for a Licky bit. Licky Hills are on fire. Yeah, yeah. Highbury Park had a little fire as well today. St. Andrews, St. Andrews has been on fire, I think. Oh no, that's. I, I, I went oh. past it. Don't know. Couldn't, don't realize, couldn't really tell. Couldn't tell. No, true. Uh, but apparently it's supposed to rain next week, and but I'm going to the hundred on Monday, so I'm a bit annoyed about that. Perfect timing. Oh, I went to the hundred oh, right, last yeah. night. A good match. Saw the hundred. Yeah, yeah, so did you see the first match. first hundred? First yeah. hundred at the hundred. Yeah, and there was not a fire awesome. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fan Two. of the hundred really. But, no, uh, I'm I'm a fan yeah. of the sponsorship and the fact that when you're watching, oh, a game, cri- you well, crisps, yeah, I'm a, yeah, you I'm just, a fan you of just crisps. pick which you just pick which snack you like best. So yeah. Yeah, it was pop chips v skips the other day, and I <laughs> I was I was leaning towards pop chips on that one. I'm not a huge oh, skips fan. Oh, I love a skips. Love the. Mountain, I think yeah, I think Birmingham mouth. Phoenix lose out with the old snack. I mean, they've gone popcorn. Popcorn is nice. Uh, it's all right, but it's not it's not a crisp, is it? But no. I tell you what. Becky, we come in, you know you can take your own food in. She just took some um, Aldi own brand popcorn in. I'm not sure oh, nice. was allowed to do that. Yeah. Is that... Uh, Becky's Carl's partner, for those listening. We're not, just chat. <laughs> yeah. We're not just having a chat between the four of us, mate. Sometimes <laughs> easy to forget, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, are we recording this? I forgot. I totally forgot. We're doing a, totally forgot we did a podcast. Um, it's not just a catch up. Uh, yeah. is, that, is that is that who the youth team are sponsored by? Yeah, Audi pop, own brand I'll, popcorn, maybe. Um, I thought you meant they're sponsored by Becky. I don't, I don't think she's doing any sponsorship. Uh, but... Just Becky on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. That'd be great if the if all the Premier League teams were sponsored by random blokes. That would be good. <laughs> Roger. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Sheeran. Uh, uh, Sheeran sponsors Ipswich, doesn't he? Hey, really? Sheeran. Oh yeah, he does. Hey, yeah, you're right. yeah, he did. Yeah. He's not really just a random bloke, though, is he? No. Well, I mean, he's, he's a brand in his own in his own right, which I would could, say yeah. Becky isn't. No offense could, to Becky, no, she is. No, I, think wow. I think she'd accept that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> he could be a random bloke. He looks like a random bloke, doesn't he? Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of the um, beauty of him, I suppose, yeah. as an artist. Yeah, so be- um, beauty is a strong word for it. Yeah, I know. I've regretted it as soon as I said it. But... <laughs> Eye of the beholder, and all that. You know uh, what I mean. I do. I do. Um, should we talk football? Yeah. Um, 
I think I don't know. So let's, I think we're going to do the usual format. So we're going to do villain news, hero and villain. We'll preview the Everton game and then we'll do a bit of Villa Vault. And Yara's going to stand in for Sam, who couldn't make it today. Um, and Villa news. I think I think we all knew, we all know what it's going to be. That's sort of the main topic, but we'll leave that to last. So here it is. This, this from the stands of Villa Park. It's the the Villa news of the week. So um, a couple of bits of transfer, well, transfer news, transfer rumours, let's put it that way. Uh, Kaisal Hayden's been linked with Huddersfield today. Um, yeah. And apparently Villa are quite keen on a deal. Well, keen on a deal or willing to sanction a deal, it was the wording I saw. Um, Kaisal Hayden, obviously a very impressive uh, campaign with MK Dons last year. Impressive pre-season. Uh, possibly you could say outshone Matty Cash in pre-season um, in terms of that right-back position. Carl, AJ, Yaro, uh, I'll come to you each individually, but I'll start with you, AJ. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Kessler Hayden in terms of his development? Is this the right time for a championship loan? Is this the right time for uh, to be back up in the first team squad? Where, where, where do you see him? Uh, I, I think he's more than capable of being back up in the first team squad. Um, I guess Matty Cash remains first choice uh, and should do as well. I mean, he's player of the season last season. By far our most improved uh, improved player last season as well, I'd say. Uh, and um, so the, I, I guess there's a, a kind of balance to be struck between if he goes to Huddersfield, presumably he's going to play a lot of football at a higher level than he's played um, in the past. And that experience sets him up um, for the future at Villa. But if he does go, who's our, who's our backup? Because presumably it's not going to be Gilbert. He's, uh, by all accounts, training with the under-23s at the moment. Uh, I assume we're looking to move him on. Um, actually, so, actually young. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, and, I, don't, um, I don't like the idea of that. No, actually young playing right back. I don't at all. No, precisely. So, I mean, for me, probably the best thing for Kane Kessler-Hayden's development is for him to go out on loan uh especially to a, a, you know a, a decent sort of top likely top half championship club like Huddersfield I, I think that's a good move and probably for the long term of Villa um that's probably the best thing to do but in the short term I, I think he's our best backup for Matt Cash in the squad at the moment and so it's a risk it's a risk sending him out mm. Yaro I mean Matty Cash played well, he's probably our most consistent player last season uh, and played uh, pretty much every minute of, of, of the season. I think he missed a little bit. I can't remember how much, maybe sort of 10 minutes at the end of a game or something like that, but very consistent last season. Obviously, one of the first names in the team sheet. But the whole ethos of what Gerald's trying to do is, is bring competition to the squad and have players breathing down each other's necks and, and sort of have players thriving on the back of that. To then have Kessler Hayden go out on loan and as AJ said, no backup with Gilbert potentially going out and being in the perceived bomb squad. I mean, Callum Chambers is another option. I mean, where do you where do you see it? I mean, where do you see it? Concert I think played right back at some point. Concert's played right back, yeah. But but neither of them I mean, are I'm not out, out and out right backs, are they? No, by no means. And not in this system where I guess the, the fullbacks are supposed to provide a lot of the the, the attacking impetus down the whip. But um, um, yeah, uh, I mean, like AJ, I, I, I would be concerned um, about a cash injury if, if we're not keeping Hayden about. Um, I think, yeah, we, we would need, if we loaned him out, then I would 
think that we'd probably be looking at getting someone in as a as a backup right back because um, the options, the other options are just not good. And if you get cash out for a, a, a relatively significant period of time, um, I think that's going to really mess with the balance of the team. Um, admittedly, the team, as we will discuss, is not looking brilliantly balanced on the basis of the opening day. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, so there's not a lot to mess up right now. Um, but um, yeah, I, 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 you know, as much, I mean, I think for him, um, at this stage of his development, a, a loan is probably a good thing, but for us and our squad, it isn't. So um, at this stage, yeah, I'd be holding on to him. Yeah, and you just don't know with injuries, do you, Carl? In terms of, you know, yes, Cash played as a, you know as a fit lad, he's one of the fittest in the squad. But that position is such a taxing position, especially the modern fullback. It's probably the most intense position you can have in a on a football pitch these days in terms of the amount of work they have to get through. Um, and you know, we've sort of talked Conzo and Chambers are just not of that ilk. They're not that type of player. So I just I just don't know where where this fits in, in the old whole grand scheme of things. Maybe there's something there in the background. We're looking to sign someone. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we could play John McGinn right back because he seems to be playing there quite a bit in the game in game anyway, well, isn't he? This is it. Is our, our centre mids are fullbacks anyway? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Is this uh, this lad we signed? I know he's primarily a left back, but can he play right fullback as well? I've not seen him use isn't? his right foot yet in the uh, no. in the friendlies. Um, but but then. But neither neither does John McGinn, and he's and, playing right yeah, back. And Ashley, so. Ashley Young doesn't use his his uh, left foot, doesn't he? Uh, I, I think. The issue with um, sending him out on loan, I, as well as, you know, there might be an injury to Cash, but Cash is a red card waiting to happen. He he goes into tackles. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying he, he always looks like he's going to get a red card, but the way he goes into tackles, he's, he's going to get a suspension um, sooner or later. And whether that's sort of a build-up of yellow cards or, or a red card, the, the options, if you send Kessler out, are just... You just wouldn't go into a Premier League match with any of them as as your right back. Like you, you'd you'd be really fearful um, to to have Ashley Young at right back. I mean, is is he what is he now? Is he thirty nine yet? Like it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, I know they say he's fit, but he has no pace anymore. I I, I just think it must be, we must be bringing a backup in um, as Yarrow. Mentioned. We must be bringing a backup in if we're, we're willing to let him go mm. out alive. And at some point, we're going to have to, you know, these young stars that we've got, same with Timmy Rogbenham, you know, we're going to have to start playing and get him involved in the first team because we can't keep buying 28, 29 year olds, which we have been doing over the last sort of six to 12 months, and just rely on that. At some point, we have to supplement the squad, supplement the first team with these younger players. Uh, and give them a chance because there's no point having an academy otherwise. I mean, you, yes, you could follow the Chelsea model and do what they do and have the you know the brightest young stars and and sell them for profit and use that as an FFP lever, I suppose. But you know these players, you know these players are a lot of them are born and bred in Birmingham. Probably half of them probably support Villa and have a passion for the club. And you need that in the club, I think. You need that. The difference with Chelsea is that they can buy the best players in the world, though, as well yeah. as have all these youngsters, don't they? We, yeah. we we have to hope that the youngsters become the best players in the world. And yeah. Grealish. Just on that point regarding them being locals and Villa fans, was was Carney a Villa fan? Is no. Carney a Villa no. fan? No, he's, a, he's, a, he's actually a Chelsea no. fan, I think. That's what oh, I've been he? told. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. In... in, in um, in the old um, Gardner family fashion, they they just support whoever, whichever team. Well, do you, I don't know if you remember the so the for, the, for those of you listening, you probably you probably you've probably heard this before, but we were all part of the VBB Football Forum, which was an old Villa Blues and Baggies Forum 
back in the day when BBC Six of Six went to went to crap. And um, shout out there VRA, was VRA, yeah, and uh, Mad Dog. Um, and <laughs> they uh, there was a guy, Doctor, on there. Doctor Gonzo. Doctor Gonzo, Gonzo follows yeah. me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Gonzo. Everyone's listening. I don't like, know if he who listens. Who the hell are these people? But um, Chris, Chris Riley. Speak to yeah. him sometimes. Rob his, G. What was his Shall we just keep again? naming VBB members? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. naming people. Yeah. 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 BBM, um, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. the Quiet Lion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changed. Golden Balls. What happened to Golden Balls? Remember Golden Balls? What a lad. Love, love uh, Golden Balls. Yeah. Anyway. Where's anyway. the beef? <laughs> Where's, Where's the beef? beef? <laughs> There's so not many. As, not as big a fan. Not a big fan. Um, but there was a guy on there who's, who's got the uh, Craig and Gar- Gary Gardner's cousin. And uh, he messaged me straight after Gary Gardner left. And he was like, um, you know, they you know, I've grown up with these guys. Gary Gardner was definitely a Villa fan. Oh, sorry, not Gary Gardner. Craig Gardner was definitely a Villa fan. Uh, when Craig Gardner left, sorry, he was like, he's definitely a Villa fan. He's grown up a Villa fan. I don't really understand it. So, I don't know. That's a weird one. But anyway, we di- but digress. But Carney was definitely a Chelsea fan. Carney is definitely. I mean, we, we, we nicked him off Northampton when he was like 12, 13. Yeah, so yeah. It's not yeah. like he's yeah. you know, he was a gratitude to the club. And at the end of the day, he, I think for his development. Yeah, I so think that he's is made, an example of us kind of doing a Chelsea. Uh, yeah. Of, yeah. Of, yeah, to taking yeah, so that's that's less yeah, um, home. I, I home, mean, we home, haven't we haven't uh, we haven't spoke yeah. about it, but at twenty million pounds, I think that's pretty good business. I mean, it's, it's good good for everyone involved. I think I think he's going to become a top top player. But to use a Jamie Radnap phrase, but you know, I think he's uh, I think twenty million for us is I, I just staggered when I, when that first came out the report about us looking for twenty million. I said uh, we'll be lucky to get five because you know he's got. He's got a year left on his contract. Go for half half a million in in, in January. So, yeah, yeah I don't, you, you can't let the kids like that hold you to ransom. Essentially, can you? Which no, is, it sounds no, like what no. he was doing. It was it was about the the money on the contract rather than the game time. I'm guessing because yeah. he's not going to get the game time at Chelsea. No, well, think, especially the time of Frankie the Young as well, another midfielder. I uh, mm. I just don't see it. But anyway, so yeah, Kessler Hayden. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I'll be surprised. I'll be surprised. I'll be. I'm not annoyed, but I'd like to have seen him in the first. It'd be a, for his own development, definitely game time. But I think he can get plenty of game time in the cups. And I think if Cash gets injured or suspended, as, as Carl said, then you know I think there's, you, you've got to give him a chance in this. You know, you know we're not going to. Let's be honest, we're not going to finish top seven. For, I don't think we are anyway. So what, what's the harm in trying to? you know nurture some of these players and get them involved in the first team I, I don't see it but anyway that's that's one transfer rumor another transfer rumor uh keenan davis is being linked with watford obviously dennis is uh potentially going to nottingham forest uh forest are buying half the league it seems and keenan davis has been linked with uh with watford potentially as well and uh, at one stage it did look like that uh we might get a good fee for him from forest but they've obviously turned their attention elsewhere which is surprising considering the impact he had, uh, but maybe they see him as a championship forward. Um, not sure if it's going to be a loan or a, or a permanent transfer, but um, AJ probably could have done with him on Saturday, couldn't you? Then considering the system that we played and the way that we played, um, do, you, do you think? Uh, do you think? There's a, I mean, do you think there's a space for him in the squad? No, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I mean, if Gerard's tactic is going to continue to be to just lump uh, balls into the box uh, at a lone striker. Then, then yeah, he probably would have been better suited to that game than uh, than our uh, two uh, hundred and eighty centimetre tall centre forwards that we currently have. But um, he's he's not he, he's not at the level that we want to be at. Um, and so, good luck to him. Um, you know, if we get a fee for him, 
or uh, you know, even if it's a decent loan fee or, or whatever, then uh, good luck to him. He, we know he can do a good job in the championship as he did for Watford last season. Um, but uh, you know, I think Archer's ahead of him now in terms of um, pecking order in the first team squad, and um, he's you know he's always he's always given. Hundred uh, percent for us. He's, he's never, he, he just, I don't think, quite has the, the quality that you need at the Premier League. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's fair, isn't it? And uh, maybe, maybe we'll get. I mean, I thought, I thought the loan was good for all concerned. A shame he got injured, but I mean, maybe we'll get some, 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 some sort of fee for him. There's also rumours that Courtney House may also be going out to, and again, linked with Watford, another player on the fringes. It's not, not quite good enough, is he, Carl, in terms of where we're looking to. To be at, but but you know, he's done, he's done a job for us when needed, I suppose. Yeah, I, I mean, it'd be third left-sided centre half now, wouldn't he? Um, third choice ahead of Tyra Mings. That side. Um, <laughs> well, we'll 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 move on to that. I'm, I, Has I Courtney ever looked Tyra Gerard Mings in the does. eye? Has <laughs> Courtney ever looked Gerard in the eye and told him that he's ready? Yeah, yeah. I, I was listening. I was listening to Talksport, and uh, they had um, Travis and Claire and Simon Jordan on. I was driving to. To work to a meeting and uh, they were talking about looking in the eye. And Trevor Sinclair said, "Oh, how's he going to look him in the eye? Six foot five. Which I I thought was quite funny. I laughed. And Simon yeah. goes, "Don't be so petulant and silly." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, "Calm down, mate. It was just a joke. <laughs> he didn't actually mean it." I thought, I thought you were better than Talksport, mate. You, nah, uh, you I'm disappointed not. me there. I'm not. I'm not at all. I you were better. Did uh, the new blue zone ring in and do a mad rant? Because isn't that what normally happens to Simon Jordan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God! Anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, House. Yeah, he probably he needs to find another club, doesn't he? That's, um, yeah, I think it's curtain for him. It's a shame, but as I think, it, I think he's always done really, really well for us. He's not quite the quality of same as Ken and Davis, where we want to be. Although we're nowhere near where we want to be either. No, no. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think House. I wouldn't lose any sleep if it, if he leaves. Yeah, I mean, for, if you look at what he cost us, absolutely phenomenal signing for the job he's done. Uh, obviously, scored scored the winner at Old Trafford last season, which uh, obviously was massive. Um, lack of complete howlers as well, I'd say with House. I can't really recall. Yeah, defensive, yeah. defensively. Apart from his debut, apart from his debut, his debut was, was the worst all... debut I've ever seen from yeah, any footballer yeah. ever. I can't remember that. Yeah. Who, who it was, was uh, Wigan, I think it was. Yeah. It was awful. It was so bad. Oh, was that the one we lost three 0 at home? Yeah, was it that away. same game? Away, no, yeah, it was away. away. Oh, was it away? away. Yeah, 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 it was. It was three 0 It was away though. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, good luck to him. He signed a new deal, obviously, last summer. But I think again, with similar to Dougie Louise, which is obviously the other, the other big news, is potentially he's going to sign a new contract, um, which I think is all about protecting the value, uh, which mm. I think is a sensible strategy. You know, it's something Villa have been guilty of in the past. You know, we've seen them, uh, you know, likes of Fabian Delph, where even when they have signed a new deal, we haven't protected the value um so i i think it's one of those i think you know he's a, he's a good player maybe a lower half premier league top half championship type player um uh, a good useful addition for for a team and maybe bournemouth as well i think there's another one that's been linked with house as well so yeah i guess we'll see uh, other news um bolton in the carabao cup uh confirmed and it's going to be on sky it's going to be on telly so 23rd of August, is it? 7.45, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just been just been confirmed today, tonight. They smell, an, they smell an upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think they do, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, although Bolton has given me um, flashbacks to them beating us. Was it 5-2 or 4-2? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, JJ the Allardyce semi-final. JJ Okocha. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, that still gives me nightmares. Although, Angal's Anga, Anga, goal. Yeah. Angal's cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did he mean it? Did he mean it? I don't think he did, did he? Oh, he might have. That, you never know. You never know. I don't think that, he did. I, I think Angal scored uh, both goals in that game at the Reebok. And the other one was the messiest farce of a goal I think I've ever seen. It was like Angel and Vassell were both standing beyond the goalkeeper. One kicked it against the other one and then knocked in the rebound. And it should have been offside because it was miles off. But yeah, it was it was a mess of a goal. Uh, the other one, I've, I, I've always maintained he meant that. There was a Megs just before it as well. It was a Megs. It was a yeah. Megs. Grey Megs. Grey Megs. Cross shot. He loved the League Cup, didn't he, Angal? Angal loved the League Cup. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's a good chance. We obviously last year we got unlucky with the draws, didn't we? Both FA Cup and Carabao Cup, so uh, it's a good chance to progress. Which is again another reason why I like to see Kessel Hayden, Tim get given a uh, some minutes as well. I think they, you know, they they could be useful additions in that type of competition. Where you know I think it's good good minute good minute for them, good good experience, um, and helps them if they ever need ever needed in the Premier League as well. So uh, that's it in terms of news. There's probably other other bits of news that I haven't covered, but I think let's just move on to the main topic uh, uh, that we want to discuss, which will probably take another 40 minutes of discussion before we even get to the Everton game. But Tyron Mings um, left out the team. Uh, obviously, John McGinn made captain over pre-season a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think we've all talked about Tyron Mings, um, his, the, the sort of benefits of Tyron Mings, but also some of the drawbacks. Uh I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, uh, Carl. I'll go to you because you've you've been on the fence about Tyrone Mings in terms of what he's brought to the team over the last sort of twelve to eighteen <laughs> months. Has he been on the fence? <laughs> on the, I, I think I think so. He might have been on the fence on the pod, on the but pod, not, not, in pod, not in the WhatsApp. Not the WhatsApp. Well, the pod has been has been yeah he's been he's been measured on the pod. But give now give us what you think. I think in terms of well, I think probably break it down in terms of whether you think it's the right decision to drop him as captain, whether whether the right decision to drop him, and then Gerard's comments uh, at the weekend as well. Um. So okay. Talking about the captaincy first. Uh, if Gerard had decided he was not going to be playing in the majority of games, you can't really have him as your captain, your main captain. But the fact that he chose about six other vice vice captains and he wasn't one of them, I thought was a kick in the teeth, which I, I thought was needless. And it pointed at that stage to something's gone on. Something must have happened. I don't think Tyrone took it as... Tyrone, my mate Tyrone, um, took it as well as was initially sort of the public perception. <clears throat> so I don't, I'm not necessarily against the captaincy being taken away from him and giving it to someone else. I kind of question it being given to McGinn because I personally wouldn't be playing McGinn in every game either. I, I, I think McGinn's position should be as at risk as Ming's in, in our team, but clearly Gerard feels differently. Um, would I have played him against Bournemouth? No, I wouldn't. I would have played Concert and um, Carlos. Um, so, again, wasn't annoyed that he was dropped. I thought it was what I expected him to do. Um, and that's what happened. Um, you know, I have been critical of uh, Mings. Um, it's purely from an individual error point of view. I, I think, I still think... I'm not convinced Carlos is going to be any better than him. Like, he's going to have to prove 
you know, prove that he, he is before we just all just immediately agree that Carlos is automatically better than him. Um, but Mings was capable of howlers that were costing us. And But I still maintain he's still about the level of defender, as good a level of defender as we can get at the moment, unless Carlos suddenly becomes um, Maldini uh, in the next sort of dozen games. But the worst, I mean, the fact, and Gerard's been guilty of it before. This wasn't the, this isn't the only time he's just sort of been unnecessarily an arsehole to Villa players. It's just, there's just no need for it. Like, there was, it's just, it's as if he, he has to answer every question he's ever asked. And he, 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 he doesn't. Just fucking, just ignore it. Just move on say, I've made my decision. Tyrone's happy with it. And just discuss this thing in private. He just came across as an arsehole. He's like, he's like mm. a school bully, but someone's given him the job as headmaster as well. And he's just, he's just power's gone to his head. And I just think it was such an outrageous thing to say. When he's already sort of, you know, publicly belittled him by taking the captaincy off him and dropping him. Um, I just thought it was it was need, uh, needless, um, needlessly harsh. And I know we've not gone on to it yet, but Gerard is going to be my villain of the week. So that's out, that out the way as well. Hey, <laughs> uh, AJ, I think, um, I, th- I, th- I think I broadly agree with, with Carl. I, I, I sort of, I, I, Gerard's prerogative at the end of the day, he's the manager, it's his decision in terms of changing the captaincy. Uh, yeah. no, issues, no issues with that at all. McGinn, whether McGinn is the right choice, I think he's obviously a vocal part of the, the dressing room and in Gerald's eyes, he's going to be a consistent player in this team. Whether he's been consistent in his performances is another question. Dropping him on Saturday, yeah, I think it's sort of 50-50. Playing Konza when he's just come back from injury and he's had one preseason game proper. And- and his form was terrible at the end and of his, last season and as well. His, and he's yeah. probably his form over this over the season was probably a lot worse than when Mings. Well, it definitely yeah. was a lot worse than Mings. Callum Chambers has not put a foot wrong. So if you're going to drop right. Mings, you know, should should Chambers play? It's another question. Uh, but the comments were very surprising uh, to me. Now, some people might I've seen some people say oh, people are reading too much into it. But back to Carl's point, I mean, he could have just he could have just brushed it off, couldn't he? He could have just said. You know that that's my decision. That's it. There's, end of the day, there's, there's this. Uh, you know, look me in the eye. Points to something else, doesn't it? In terms of an attitude problem that he perceives. Yeah, I, I disagree that they were surprising because we've talked on the pod before about our view of Gerard and his poor man management. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with Carl. There's, there's absolutely a case. I, I probably would have played Mings actually, uh, and I, I wonder whether we'd have been dis, as disorganised at that first quarter, two minutes in. If he was playing versus he wasn't, it's hypothetical. So who knows? But he is the one man who actually is vocal and tries to organise us at the at the back. Um, but th- there's absolutely a football case um, which Carl has made, uh, uh, and Gerard obviously believes that he's too error prone. Um, his form wasn't great. Drop him if you're going to drop him. He shouldn't be the captain. Uh, so I, I think that aspect of it is fair enough. But I, I think the way he's handled it afterwards. To come out of a game where the performance was so poor, which overall, which I'm sure we'll go on to talk about, uh, and to single out any individual as a star in public it, it is ridiculous. But to single out an individual 
that hasn't even played in the game, like didn't even come off the bench. And I know he was asked about it, but as Carl says, you just say, you know, I'm here to talk about the game and Tyrone means, you know, he didn't play or whatever. And and the idea of saying, you know, he needs to look me in the eye. Uh, I just think at, at, at worst, and uh, sorry, at best, it, it's an amateurish handling of the media. Uh, and at, at worst, uh, he is... Uh, suggesting that Tyrone Mings uh, has an attitude problem. For me, there's potentially a football problem with Tyrone Mings that we've agreed on. Uh, to me, his attitude and character is unimpeachable. Like He has never put a, foot, put a foot wrong for this football club in public. You know, look, you look at his public reaction uh, to uh, the captaincy being taken off, off him and it was note perfect. And as Cole says, perhaps it wasn't like that behind the scenes. And actually... He's got a right to be pissed off about it, and you'd want you'd want players to be pissed off about getting dropped and having the captaincy taken off them, wouldn't you? And the the concern, the wider concern for me is it's indicative of a problem we've seen with Gerard in the past, where he singles out in games individuals and individual moments in games, and he doesn't talk about the collective, and he doesn't talk about the problems with the structure, you know? Uh, and even where he does that, it's in a context of like, well, we've given him the instructions, you know? Like there's never a th- something like, well, maybe the instructions are wrong or maybe the instructions weren't clear. It's like, that's what he said after the poor set piece yeah. defending. Well, it's on me, but had, we told him. They've had, the, so, yeah. they've had the instructions, they didn't follow him. So They're just not buying into it, AJ. They're not buying yeah, into it. Well, exactly. And, and I'll tell you what, where I think the issue comes from. And it reminds me of the difference between Roy Keane as a player and a captain and Roy Keane as a manager. You can be an exceptional captain and leader in that sense if you are a particular type of player, which both Roy Keane and Steven Gerrard were, where they could lead from the front, where they could be inspirational, where their individual performance could lift the performance of people around them. That is not how management works. Management is about you taking responsibility for others. It's about you um, raising others up through what you say, through the tactics that you set up, through structure, through collective action. So the difference between being a Roy Keane or a Steven Gerrard as a footballer and being a Roy Keane or a Steven Gerrard as a manager, that's, that's my concern. Now, he's a young manager and maybe he'll improve and maybe he won't go on to be as... A huge failure as a manager as Roy Keane was, but to me the indications are of something similar uh, in their character, in their players, uh, in their transition from a captain and type of leader as a player and manager. I see similar weaknesses. Yeah, um, and Yara, I mean, it's quite surprising to me the reaction of the fan base. Now, I completely appreciate that Twitter isn't a barometer of what the the fan base is feeling because as we've seen plenty of times, Twitter can more often not be a vocal minority compared to what happens in the ground. But there was definite booing in the away end. And when the away end goes, that's typically a bad sign. And uh, I think in terms of Ming's situation, I think the majority, or I think was split in terms of where people were in terms of whether Ming should be dropped, make caps, et cetera. But I think even those, a bit like Carl, you know, where they saw the fault to Ming's and, and saw sort of the, the reasons why you would drop him, 
even those types of fans were quite concerned with the way Gerard handled it. And and I don't know about you, I was quite surprised to see the level of scrutiny, but also disillusionment with Gerard following those 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 comments that were made and how the fan base has not not turned as such, but how they reacted. I don't know what your thoughts are. I think there is, yeah, there's a reason why this has hit a nerve. Um, it's not just about Tyrone Mings, the player. It's not just about the captaincy. It's not just about the defeat of Bournemouth. It's about speak. It's about how it speaks to Gerard's abilities as a manager for a lot of the reasons that both of uh, both Carl and AJ have already said. Um, I think it shows just bad judgment. First of all, it shows bad judgment to make those comments. Um, I mean. It, I would argue from a football point of view, um, it's been shown to be bad judgment to drop Mings because Mings is one of our best players in the air in physical battles. And we got battered on set pieces and lost 2-0. So I would argue that there's bad judgment on a football level, but there's definitely bad judgment on a man management level, on a diplomacy level with the the comments he said afterwards. Um, And I think it just shows, just um, uh, adding to what... AJ was just saying it's it's old-fashioned leadership, uh, or sort of a, a, an old-fashioned notion of leadership about being the hard man, about being intimidating, um, about um, your players fearing you. Um, and um, we've seen this pattern where he doesn't seem to take responsibility for the failures of the team. Um, and I think... You know, I'm not exactly a management guru or a leadership guru or anything like that. But, you know, not just in football, outside of football, my understanding is that it's been shown that leadership, effective leadership, is about taking responsibilities for when things go wrong and praising your team for their successes. And we've seen almost none of that from Gerard. And I think Roy Keane's a good good point of comparison. Um, and I would say... I mean, I just, we've, we've not had many successes to praise to each other. Well, quite, quite. Um, I would, minor disagreement with some Carl said. Carl said it's gone to his head. I think it's always been in his head. What, 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 you know, this, this sort of arrogance. Uh, he had it as a player. Um, there are many stories, I think, of how Gerard, as a player in the dressing room, was not very welcoming to young players. He was an, an intimidating presence. So I think... Um, I think it's always been there with Gerard, and I think he's just got this kind of petty wannabe hard man thing about him, um, and I don't think it's don't think it's very becoming. I, mean, I will say, even on even on that old school front, though, Yarek, like if you think about Ferguson, like everybody knows that you know the hair dryer and all that, kicking a boot in Beckham's face, all of that, and that all came out in the media and, and everything. But in front of the cameras. You wouldn't you wouldn't hear him call out a player like the only top level manager that I can think of that that has done that is Mourinho, and that was more like where he was, you know, in the latter stages at United and stuff like that, where you know we all know what a. I think with Mourinho it ends up coming back on him eventually when he's when he yeah exactly exactly you you just don't you know even like Conte he's another sort of hard man like do as I say kind of manager but you still. You don't really see him calling out individuals. Yeah, that, and I'm not. Sa- I'm, not saying there, I'm not saying there isn't any room for strictness. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm sure yeah. you can. You can still be an effective leader while still, you know, occasionally terrifying your team. But the point is that shouldn't be your modus operandi, and there should be, um, yeah, there's a level of 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 not 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 hanging them out to dry publicly, like you say. Which I, mean, I mean, exactly. And and if you're going to be the Billy B- Big Bollocks hard man, it's got to be effective. We said that right at the beginning when he came in and banged ketchup 
I, I don't know if you remember when the sources got banned, we had a bit of a chat about it, and we said at the time, it's fine to do that. Like, it's fine to be a strict, serious manager, you know, because we were talking about the contrast with Dean Smith, weren't we, who was everyone's best mate. Um, and I think there's, there is room for both types of managers and you can be successful as a leader in, in either way. Um, but there, there's still ways and means of doing that. And also, if, if you are the hard man and you don't get effective results, that is going to fall apart much more quickly than if you are um, uh, if you have a better relationship, uh, a more convivial relationship with the people you are managing. They're going to be more forgiving of uh, or, or more patient in terms of results. Play, playing devil's advocate uh, in terms of you know looking at the other side of things. Now, uh, Villa have had a soft underbelly for a while now. Uh, especially under Dino, which is probably why the reason why he was he was let go. Um, there's been issues with our midfield, there's been issues with the team in terms of in terms of going on a run of results, losing uh, losing runs, and you know not going to goal down and automatically losing that game. You're not coming back. Um, there's been issues with the squad, etc. And Gerard's come in, and the whole idea behind him, what he said, is a no excuse culture trying to lift levels, trying to lift the standards. Um, and he's mentioned that numerous times. It's not fucking work, he's, does it? He, he's, I mean, he's been, he's been here, what, 10 months now? He's been, I mean, bear with me, he's been here 10 months now. He's had, this is a real major window, first window. He's, he had a great start. Obviously, we had the new manager bounce, the, the much talked about new manager bounce. Take, strip that out, then obviously it's been pretty poor run since then. But there's still been a lot of work done in terms of the squad. We've bought certain players. We've obviously changed the profile of player we're looking at. We've done that in this this window as well, to some extent. It's the first game of the season. It's poor. Yes, it was a terrible, terrible performance. A lot of the same issues as last season. Neil Critchley, unfortunately, couldn't come to pre-season. So, you know, we've changed from, from Michael Beale to Neil Critchley. So he couldn't, he, he, he couldn't come to Australia because of passport issues or vaccination issues. So we've had that issue to deal with as well. So in terms of style of play, trying to adopt new ideas, that's obviously been a, a drawback. I mean, do, are, we, are we looking at this far too early? Are we, are, we look, are we using just the sole issue with Mings and what you said about players as something to beat him up with? And do we need to give him a bit more time? And and if so, how much time do we give him? And what do you need to see from him and the team to to sort of build that confidence back in him from from the fan base? Do you think? I don't. I personally, I don't think you can. You know, you can't sack him. I'm not. I'm not even suggesting that you can sack him right now. I have no confidence he's going to turn it around. But hopefully, he proves me wrong. Um, he's like he's had. He's had enough time to to at least put across some of his ideas, and um, I just I don't see I don't see how we we look different from one game to the next. We just look different kinds of bad in in each game. We, there's no he hasn't you know there's no sort of um, style of play that I can see. There's 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 no like none of the stuff that he said he was going to bring in. I can I can see any of that. You know, maybe maybe it's all going to click. Maybe it's all going to click. Maybe the players are finally going to buy into his ideas, and that's all we've been waiting for all along. Um, finally, they'll go. Oh, we probably should be doing what he's telling us to do, rather than just making it up ourselves. So 
yeah, maybe that will happen. Maybe we'll go on a winning run and I'll look stupid in front of everyone I've spoke to about Villa for the past three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, let's let's move on to the Bournemouth game then. I, I suppose we've sort of done Villain of the Week now because we've talked about Gerard and... Yeah, with all we all you know here in Villa in the week, it doesn't necessarily mean we hate them or anything like that. It's just for this particular week, they've done a bad job or they've done something wrong. And I think this week, I think I think the fan base is united in the fact that as a team we were poor, but as 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 large in that, the management, the coaching, the, the staff behind the scenes were it's poor a bit, in terms it's a of how they set up. It's a pity we don't have Sam here as Gerard's biggest booster among among. Even even his turn. Yeah, I was going to say because well. I, I don't know how he would possibly have have, have uh, tried to twist that. Yeah, I, 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 I think I think you know you have to be critical in terms of not 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 be negative for negative sake. You have to just look at it with a critical critical eye, and I think looking in isolation in terms of that match in particular and what what was said afterwards. You know, I, I think it's very difficult to be positive after that. There's no positives to come out of that. However, there's a bigger picture, which is none of us are calling for Gerard's head at all. I think we've all been disappointed, which is fair to say, in terms of the performance of the team and the management in terms of his ideas and what we've seen on the pitch. But at the same time, we're conscious that, you know, it's early days yet and you need at least 10, 15 games of the season, I think, to see what will happen, how things develop, whether similar, you know, the same decisions are being made in week in, week out after that period, then then you have to question it. You know, if we're still playing with inverted fullbacks as midfielders yeah. and we're still playing Danny Ings up front and trying to cross in the ball... Can I um, make a wild prediction? Go. So remember, I said this on the 11th of August, right? So Gerard, we'll have Gerard up until the World Cup break. At some stage over that break, he'll be sacked. And Southgate will be our manager at some stage after oh. the World Ooh. Cup. Yeah, just, just remember that. Remember that. I said I that, that on the 11th of August. <sighs> I dread that. I'm fun. sorry I'm you sorry were... to be the bearer of bad news, but it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, you're cheering me up a bit. I, I don't understand this anti-Southgate stuff. I, I think he's a good international manager, yeah, but I think, I think he... that's a different skill set from being a good club manager. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I, I think he's so. learned a lot since he was at Middlesbrough. I yeah, think. yeah, I think so. Which but is his only club I, job, right? Well, let's not yeah. let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's save that. No, for, uh, no, that's another pod. Well, we might as well because I've told you it's happening. No, 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 no. I'm not. We're only 40 minutes into the pod, and we're yet to touch on the Bournemouth or Everton game or Villa Vault. So we've only touched on the Bournemouth game. Yeah. Yeah, we've not we've not done one all summer though, mate. So yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah, but I think I think the Bournemouth game. You know, I think from beginning to end, I watched the game again actually uh, yesterday with a fresh pair of eyes just to see glutton for punishment. Glutton, yeah, yeah, no, but just I just wanted ahead yeah. of this pod. I just I just wanted I mean, to see you know if there was something. I didn't, you know, you... I didn't see it the first time, and I'm not going back in. <laughs> yeah, <it>, yeah. So. <laughs> so yeah, right, I'll leave you out of this conversation. But um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, way, yeah, I'm, I'm basing all my opinions on the Bournemouth game basically on what you lads said in WhatsApp, which yeah. isn't normally what I try and you know base my opinions on. Mm. But when it's like so universal, then you can basically put piece together what the game was like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Um... Yeah, I mean, I watched the game again, and I think actually, you know, even the the goal was early on in the game. It was a poor, first it was a poor free kick to give away, soft free kick, which led to the ball getting in the corner. And then Jacob Ramsey, for some reason, kicks out for the corner when he doesn't need to. Um, And then the corner itself, poor marking at the back post. Conza's there, does his usual moaning after the goal was conceded and blaming other players, but you know he he did not get up for the header at all. The back post. Do I remember? Do I remember it right that Ings had an absolute nightmare in that corner as well? He fell over and then got up, and then he's the one who sort of tried to clear it, and then 
um and yeah yeah no i think uh, to be fair i think to, to fair things i think there was a player right in front of him who ducked under the ball so he sort of hit him and then he tried to clear it and it didn't go anywhere but it, it was one of those but i think there's a, there's a number of things back post i think we weren't organized enough you know there's, a, there's a, almost like a free header the ball drops down and the ball breaks to Lerma and then no one closes him down really they just sort of fall as you know instead of falling forward and trying to block the ball and get forward they sort of just sort of stay there um, and it gets deflected in. But even after that, I thought, you know, we, we started okay. I think actually Ings had two or three shots. He had a header. He had a shot with his left foot. We got in behind them a few times. There was a bit of a scramble in the box. But I think it was about 18th minute onwards is where I saw a real change. And uh, what I saw was Coutinho give the ball away three times in the space of three minutes. And since the, and t- t- from that from that point in the game, it was a complete shift. Um, and I think you saw Bournemouth in the ascendancy. They felt a lot more confident. They bullied us in midfield. Um, they got amongst us. Uh, they didn't give any space to Coutinho. Ings had nothing against the three centre-backs. Had to come to the left numerous times. Was never central. Bailey got in behind a couple of times, but didn't really do much with it. Didn't have much support. In fact, Cash and Bailey probably getting each other's way uh, more than anything else. I think they were both trying to hug the touchline. But a big, big problem, as we've seen, numerous times with Aston Villa over the last 18 months was that midfield. And uh, AJ, I don't know you saw the game, but Kamara, who had an OK game, wasn't helped again by his two number eights, Ramsey and McGinn. And it's a real, real problem, that balance in that midfield, isn't it? Well, I mean, again, you've only got to look at the average positions. So if you have a look at the average positions on who scored, Ramsey is effectively playing as a left back. You know, he's deeper uh, than uh, Dina and almost as wide, almost as wide as him. Begins a bit higher up. But when you think we had 66% of the ball and we were we were pressing to try and equalise for the vast majority of the of the game, you know, there's no need for those players to be to be that deep. And and I honestly, I'm not sure in that. I mean, yeah. I only I don't know what the source was for this. Uh, I only know because I saw you tweet it, Omar. But apparently, after the game, Gerald said we didn't cross the ball enough. We, we we made twenty five crosses. We've got two strikers playing in the game who were like five ten, five eleven up against Mefham at a hundred and six foot three, six foot four, and two other centre halves, and no other support for them. And we're just aimlessly lumping long long crosses into the box. Like to me, in that system, particularly in that game circumstance where we're a goal behind against a low block surely what you're trying to do is get your uh overlapping fullbacks to the byline and get them pulling it back for the likes of Coutinho when when he's playing Bailey at the back post for the likes of those players running on running onto it crossing the ball into the box is surely not the strategy the strategy mm. we had fi- we had 15 shots 73 percent three quarters of the shots were from outside the box like uh, Pep Guardiola would be doing his absolute nut if he saw that kind of stat at, at Manchester City, and that is something that you can coach during the game. That is something to where you can say, "Be patient, hold the ball. They're just sitting off. Keep moving it. We're only one nil down. You know, their second goal came late. Keep moving the ball." But none of that happened. None of that happened. And yeah, uh, Kamara had a decent game, but to be honest, how how much pressure was he under? And then in the end, as uh, Carl highlighted, he was increasingly giving away silly free kicks as we pushed on, including the free kick that led to the second goal. So, mm. like, I just I just feel like 
there was so much wrong with the structure for what we had to do in that game. Le- leaving aside the fact we went a goal down so early and how disorganised we were at the corner, look, that, that will happen in games. Even if you've got the perfect set-piece set up, you're going to occasionally concede. There was just no plan to break that Bournemouth team down. That was evident. Nothing was done to change it throughout the game. You know, we changed the shape slightly, but the strategy did not did not change. Uh, and it was a strategy that was never going to be uh, effective, uh, given the attacking resources we had on the pitch and the defensive system uh, that we were up against. Uh, mm. And no adjustment was made. Uh, and also, even when you look at Gerald's body language, just sat in the chair looking grumpy when he could have been up and trying to, you know, say, don't have a random shot from there. It's, you know, yeah. 15, sh- yeah. 15 shots, two on target, mm. 0.6 XG. That t- even just that tells you everything you need to know. Mm. Poor quality, lots of very poor quality shots. Yeah. And, and John, you know, John McGinn, uh, key, key, uh, key uh, he's, he's just guilty of it every game it seems and, and another reason why we talked earlier about his consistency and, you know you, you, you know you're hoping that this captaincy lifts his game but we've seen a lot of the same it's, it's the drawbacks of McGinn basically I think we've seen in, in that game or summed up in one game in terms of you know his uh, his lack of ability in terms of short passing um, his his tendency to try and go long too too much and his his tendency to try and shoot from distance too much when there's better options out there. Uh, Ramsey again, you know, in terms of starting lineup, Carl, you know, I, I think we've talked about it uh, in terms of Minks. I, I wasn't surprised to see him not start, but I was surprised to see Conte start. But looking elsewhere, playing Ramsey when he's had a poor preseason, you know, if you, we're thinking about preseason form, which is what Gerard's basing this on, Ramsey's had a poor preseason. Um, Ings has had a fairly poor. Preseason, everyone knows Danny Ings does not play well as a sole striker. We've all talked about it. We've talked about it before. If you're playing against three centre backs, now fair enough. I think you know a lot of Bournemouth fans have said they didn't expect them to play as three centre backs. They didn't expect them to play some of the personnel like Pearson, for example, in the team. So it was a surprise to Bournemouth fans. So maybe Jarrod was caught off guard. But even then, if you're playing against two centre backs, Ings has always played off off another man. Playing Coutinho wide left, uh, you know, it just just. Throughout that team, there just seemed to be mistakes from the off, uh, and it and it just it, it played out that way, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think I'd have played Ramsey. Um, I still think on his on form that he's our best number eight um, at the moment, even though he gets played as this weird false fullback. Um, so that it wasn't, I wasn't surprised that Ramsey started. I think I would have done it as well. Might not start him against Everton, but um, Ings massive massive surprise. I thought that that looked like a, sh- a wrong decision as soon as I saw the team sheet. Um, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why what the plan was. Like, I don't, uh, sh- sh- what what sort of match would you look at Watkins and Ings and decide that Ings is the person you're going to play out front on their own who doesn't run channels. Um, or any of the stuff that Watkins does. If you're going to get lots of chances, you expect to get lots of chances, then fine, play play Danny Ings. Um, but we were never going to get. Yeah, I mean, I'm go- well, going back to going back to AJ's point, we said about the crossing. I think it came out afterwards that Gerard had said we didn't cross the ball well enough rather than enough. Which, which still, okay. which still, I think you know, you think of it, you think, all right, fair enough. But actually, then us crossing the ball was yeah. a, was was the actual tactic. 
yeah. which yeah. again makes no sense because the way that we play with these number eights is their number eights don't break into the box. They cover the fullbacks. No. And it just seems completely unbalanced to me. So on one side, you've got Coutinho who likes to drift inside, but he wasn't doing that because he was blocked out of the game and he's playing primarily from the left. You've got Bailey likes to touch the, who likes to hug the touchline both sides. And then you've got Cash and Luca Dean who like to who like to push forward. But then Bailey and just called Bailey and Cash again each other's way. Coutinho and Dean are getting each other's way. The fullbacks aren't break the sort of the midfielders, number eight aren't breaking into the, the box. They're sort of tucking in. So you've got and this thing. Ings, Ings, Ings is dropping off. Dropping but again, off, if you yeah. look at the average positions, Ings he's, and Coutinho's average position is the same. Is the same, like, yeah, it's, exactly. So you've there's got, no centre center forward. You've got Coutinho and Luca Dean who are crossing from deep. They're not crossing. They're not even crossing from the byline. They're not even crossing mm. from the edge of the box. They're crossing from deep. So that yeah, was was that our tactic? I don't. Doesn't make any sense to me. I think I think there's a point where a team becomes so dysfunctional that just pointing out individual tactical things almost becomes pointless because the whole thing is such a mess that it just results in a kind of um, collapse across the board um, and everyone just starts making mistakes and so and I think it all goes back to what AJ was saying about um, just a, just a lack of plan. Uh, I mean, both AJ and Carl I think have mentioned a lack of plan, a, a, a sort of what is. What are we doing here? Why are we lobbing the ball in? Why aren't we cutting it back? What is the route to goal that we've identified as being the most effective? Um, and it feels like we didn't have one. His only, uh, his own, the only plan at the moment, or the only certainty at the moment, is that um, Coutinho is going to start. And yeah. well, he just absolutely shouldn't. He shouldn't be on, at the moment. On that, some some Coutinho stats, and I know I've just complained about Gerard calling out individuals, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because uh, I'm not a manager. Fans can do it on a fans podcast. Oh, he's not going to hear this. I'm a, I'm a podcaster, so uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right, be, be, care, be careful. I'm just saying. I I, uh, I said something about Keenan Davis once, and it was put on a random Aston Villa HTC or something like that once on Villa View. So you know, you never know. You might get published. You never know. I mean, well, he's well, small. Whatever. I wouldn't be scared of Coutinho. He's quite small. I'm, I'm going to read out. I'm going to read out stats, so you can't argue. Uh, it's not my point of view. This is this is real data. Seventy-two percent pass completion, the worst of anyone in the team, apart from Archer, who only made two passes and misplaced one of them. So doesn't really doesn't really count. Archer, oh out. my, oh my, you and I spent probably ten minutes after a game last season talking about. John McGinn's failings when he had a pass completion rate of 75%. So worse, yeah. worse than that. Now, also, Bailey was nearly as bad on the other wing, but not quite. He only progressed the ball 61 yards through passing in the in the whole game, which when you think about, we used to talk about how much Jack Grealish used to progress it, like 350 yards in a game through, through running with the ball, 61 yards of progressive passing distance. Only the strikers, who obviously have got no one to pass any further forward to, were worse than that. Uh, he tried to dribble four times and only was successful once. So he gave it away three times, just trying to dribble past uh, players. He uh, he had 14 pressures in the game, but his pressure success rate was only 14%, which again was the worst in the whole team. Again, bar Louise, who only played nine minutes. Uh, so a bit unfair to uh, compare him to that. So... Uh, I think it's fair to say he was he was an absolute liability in the game. On that, a, a on, liability. on that, AJ, on the pressing point, I think it actually just, just sparked something in me. I don't know what you guys thought, Carl and AJ, obviously in particular, but what were we doing in terms of pressing? I don't know if I you saw. Like, Danny Ings does this thing. Right? Like, I, like Watkins is an excellent presser. We've talked about it numerous times. He's one of the best in the league from the front. 
But Danny Ings seems to be busy. He seems to be wanting to press. But he does it in a really weird way, although he doesn't actually press. And I think the whole team where we're sort of like, we're not, when Gerard first came in, you could sort of see a structure. You could see a shape about us. So I watched the Brighton game again, again, glutton for punishment, but the, the first game he played, where we had this three narrow Bundia, Watkins and Inks as a, as a narrow three where they didn't press, but they sort of held their line. And then we had the midfielders doing that thing where the, the Nakamba stayed in the middle and McGinn and Ramsey would spread out and, and cover their wide players, which, you know, maybe a good idea or not, at least there was some sort of tactic there. But on Saturday, it didn't seem to be any sort of cohesion in terms of who presses when, if we press, how fast we press, when we press. It didn't make any sense to me. No, which is it, obviously a key part of the game. Early early doors, I actually thought our pressing was good, but I'm talking about like the first sort of five minutes or um, not long after. Maybe maybe it was just in the two minutes before they scored, <laughs> but I was like, oh, we're really pressing them here. But then afterwards, you're right. Like Ings Ings doesn't press; he gives the impression of someone pressing. Like that's the, and it's exactly the same with uh, Coutinho as well. Yeah, and and it's like then and and actually I think Bailey wasn't even trying to give the impression of someone present. Um, I didn't understand. I mean, it it must. I, I I can't I can't believe for one second, considering that Gerard is so happy to sort of call people out publicly that they're not listening to him. It must be what they're instructed to do. It must be it must be his instructions. But I don't know why you would why you would just allow them all the time in the world. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't get any, I don't get, as I say, I don't get any plan from, from this team at the minute. And um, yeah, from whether you're talking about pressing or what we're doing, why we're just crossing, crossing in deep for, for Danny Ings. It's just, it's just all a bit of a nonsense at the moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, Yaro, you're, you know, obviously didn't see the game. So um, I think more generally, I think, uh, you know, that we, we well, there's been a big call for Buendia to, to come in and replace Coutinho. But regardless of that, you know, you've got some of the most creative players in the league uh, in that front front six position. Yeah, we're having... Certainly outside the top six. Certainly, certainly outside the top six. And, and this is yeah. not an isolated incident, Bournemouth. You know, we've had issues creating chances... And, you know, people have been moaning about Watkins and Ings in terms of missing chances. And yes, they have missed chances. And, and I think, actually, if you look back at it, Ings is probably worse off, worse than 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 Watkins in terms of not XG or anything like that, but in terms of the actual chances he's missed when you look at it uh, with your eyes. But we're not creating any anywhere near enough for a team that wants to achieve top half, are we? And, no. And how do we how um, do we get the best out of these players? Because they, they, Buendia is one of the most creative players in the league and has been consistently for... For a number of years now, Wendia. Well, you play him. Uh, that would be that be how you get the best out of Wendia. Um, I would. I would suggest. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, the um, uh, AJ just talking about Coutinho there made me think of a Simpsons episode that was on Channel Four the other day, where Homer runs the American football team and uh, the kids' American football team, and he makes Bart the quarterback, despite the fact that they've got. Nelson, who's a who's who's a who's a really capable quarterback, and he just sticks with Bart regardless. Uh, and that reminds me of Gerard with Coutinho over Brendia. Um, uh, yeah. So um, and then there's Leon Bailey. I don't know what Leon Bailey really does. I don't know what he. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever played a system that suits him, which arguably isn't his fault. Um, well, definitely isn't his fault. Um, but e- equally, um, yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I, I'm just sort of at a loss as to. 
as, yeah, as I mean, what, I think what, what, what I, Bailey brings to the yeah, table. To be honest, yeah, with you. I mean, it's not like I say, it's not his fault. I think he's um, he looked great in preseason. Obviously, he looks he looks a lot fitter, and, and I think well, well was, this is it. And this look, is why I caution against anyone putting any stock into preseason performances. Yeah, I think so. I think, and it, yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think he showed he showed flashes against Bournemouth, but he was he was definitely similar to last season where it's just not good enough. And and I think is is what's happening is he's coming under Dean Smith, where Dean Smith was wanting to play a, diff- a certain way. And yeah. he's coming to Gerard, who wants to play a certain way, and he's not—he's just not suited, you know. We're, we had this again. Talk about the unbalance. You've got a, a a proper winger in Bailey who likes to stay out wide, who's not one of these players who likes to come central. And on the other side, mm. you've got someone who likes to come central. And really, Gerard's system—the idea behind what he's trying to do is—is—he's he's trying to have not wingers, not traditional wingers. He's trying to have yeah. Two so he's picking 10s. a traditional winger over Buendia, who would be perfect. Um, yeah, in that, in that role. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. Exactly. Y- yeah, it's it's like yeah, and and yeah, I, d- I didn't see the game, but I obviously saw the result, and I can comment on the result. And the result is an absolute shocker. Like uh, Paul No Bones about it. Like the fact that we lost two 0 to Bournemouth, who I you know maybe maybe will be proved wrong. Promoted teams can sometimes surprise us, but I'm fairly confident Bournemouth are going to be one of the worst teams in the Premier League this year. Um, and good teams sometimes lose to bad teams. That does happen. Um, but usually when that happens, the 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 good team that has lost to the bad team has had had a chance to uh to win that game or to at least draw the game mm. um they're they're in the game and usually something as you know so, something marginal goes against them whether that be a refereeing call and an individual mistake or whatever but this was us against the Bournemouth team who you know are probably going to be a bad team in relative terms of the Premier League and we didn't from what I can gather we didn't really compete we didn't really create chances we didn't really look like doing much at all so yeah that would be the concern for me is is the, the result is dreadful the manner of the result is the real kicker yeah and we said that we said this at the end of last season as well omar in the sense that you know there's this whole question about not having the right players to play gerald's system and you've just touched on that with leon bailey but like for example uh Villa Twitter's all over like, oh yeah, throw a load of money at Conor Gallagher or whatever. If you put Conor Gallagher in this team and played him in the role that Jacob Ramsey is playing, is he gonna is he gonna be any better than the Jacob Ramsey if he's basically playing most of the game as a as a left back? On the wrong like, side that, again. Again, the yeah, same problem. Yeah. He's, he's on, the wrong, on the wrong on the wrong side. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And when you were talking about McGinn, like, yes, he's got his limitations, but it doesn't help that he's got to constantly turn inside into a crowded area against a low block because he's on the wrong side. doesn't help when he's chasing back. He's got to tackle with his wrong foot all the time because he's on the wrong side. Still, nobody has uh, explained to me, write in listeners, send us a tweet, what the potential advantage is of playing them that way around. I can see the limitations of it. I can't see an advantage. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just, like, yeah. well, like Kamara's, mean- Kamara's come in. Is he, you know, is he going to do a better job than Louise did in that role? Given given the job that you've got to do when you're playing in that system as a number six, so I I just don't know. I mean, I, well, I, I think, he, yeah, I think he probably will do a better job than Louise, but he's still going to limit his effectiveness, aren't you? It, like, yeah. Sp- yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, mean, I think but, I think that's a good I think it's a good segue onto let's move on to the, to the Everton game. So let's 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 do a bit of vital statistics, ladies. Yeah! Um, 
in terms of what you would change now, let's look, you know, Bournemouth game's done. You know, we can talk about it till death. There's so many things that went wrong in that game. But looking ahead to the Everton game on Saturday, lunchtime kickoff, the shape of the team, the starting lineup, Dougie Louise is one name that's been mentioned a lot now in terms of that midfield. How, how do you change that midfield? How do you change that team? Do you bring Watkins back in? Do you bring Mings back in after what's been said and then the furore around it? How do you change the shape of the team? You know, the tactics. Does Gerard just stick to his guns and just, you know, this is the way he wants to play. This is the way he wants to play, and the players have to adapt. What you know, what what would you do if you were manager? Um, well, I mean, personnel-wise, I wouldn't bring Mings back in. I think it'd be the wrong thing to do now. It just cause more chaos. I think. Um, so I think that bridge has been burnt for now. Um, I'm sure there'll be some sort of public. Uh, show of affection at some stage if if he wants Mings to get back into the team, um, but I, I don't I, I just don't I don't think I I don't think it'd be good for the team for that for that to happen. Um, yeah. I, I if I move on to the shape, I mean it's the shape of the midfield, isn't it? I mean we need we need to accept that with the way we set up, you can't have these marauding uh, fullbacks um, where. You've just ultimately, when we're when we're um, on the attack, it seems that the two number eights are playing as two fullbacks. Then in defence, they, they seem to go missing. I I don't understand where they where they where they go. I, I need to. I, I should I should get Carragher's sort of tactics machine out and just follow players around. Um, do you do that, AJ? Yeah, I thought, thought you just do that pretty much in all your spare time. Yeah, what I do, mate, is, uh, you know, player camp. Yeah. I'll, basically, I'll go back and watch the game, but I'll do it with all, like, can you, can 22 you, can you still player do, camp. Can you still do that? I'm you like, can't. No, you I, can't. Don't think, I, I, did, I don't um, think you can. <laughs> just, 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 just go back quickly, but player camp. First time I ever used it was Celtic Rangers game, and I watched Henrik Larsson for 10, 15 minutes or whatever it was. It was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Henrik Larsson. They, they very occasionally would change it to manager cam if the manager was under particular stress. And I oh, remember really? Arsene Wenger, Arsene oh, wow, Wenger after that. Arsenal blew a two-goal lead at Bolton was particularly good entertainment. On oh, lovely. I lovely. But, but anyway, um, so I don't know. It's difficult. So I'm trying to pick personnel based on what I know the system's going to look like. But if he is going to play that system, I'd, 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 I'd drop Ramsey. I'd probably bring Louise in for, for Ramsey. I'd bring Buendia in for um, Bailey. Uh, maybe keep Coutinho in. I don't know why. <laughs> Coutinho just said I'd probably drop him. Um, and well, it's I'd bring a, it's a home game against brings. a week. Home game against a weak team is where I think it's where know. he usually shines, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's difficult. I, I, I'm disheartened because I'm trying to look at which personnel we could bring in, but it's all system based. The team that he picked on on um, Saturday should have beat Bournemouth, but you know, it, it it wasn't necessarily his personnel choices. It's just the way the whole team set up. We don't create enough chances, and we look vulnerable um, on the. Um, in defence, particularly from set pieces, as we always have been. All right, let's go. Let's go to predictions then. Um, I, I think uh, I mean just quickly on Everton. Bit of research. Uh, oh, actually, AJ, we'll get a quick head-to-head in a minute. But uh, Everton played with three at the back. They've obviously signed Connor Cody, Godfrey injured, Mina injured. Um, but uh, obviously Cody comes in. They've got Tarkovsky there. Patterson, the young lad from Rangers, is playing right back and obviously had a, a pretty good game. And, and they've got high hopes for him. Whether Seamus Coleman comes back in, I guess we'll see. But they've got no strikers. They're, they're playing Anthony Gordon up front. 
and maybe that probably will suit Konza. I think maybe that's the type of ball he likes to play, although he's not to stand forward. They've got they've brought Onana, which is a young player but very highly rated. Um, they, they they looked fairly tough to beat against Chelsea, but obviously with no strikers, I think you know it's going to be definitely on us to to win that game and. Uh, the pressure's on us to perform and start well. I think. I think the, if if we lose an early goal, then I think the fans could turn. AJ, quickly on head head before you give your prediction, how how are Villa and Everton looking? Well, I don't know if you know this, guys, but um, is it the oldest fixture is, uh, Everton is the is the Still. most played actually, actually, the most played fixture. Shall we? Shall we? Let's not do head head because we've done this about fifty times, haven't we? So let's just get. Well, can to... I just say? Yeah. Can I just say though? It's actually, a draw, isn't it? It's a rare one. No, we're ahead. It's a rare oh, one yes. where the head to head is all good. So we've got eighty-four wins, sixty draws, and eighty-two defeats overall in the Premier League era. We've got twenty-two wins, nineteen draws, and only thirteen losses, and since we came back up to the Premier League, we are unbeaten against Everton. Four wins and two draws. So that is about as positive a head-to-head as I think we have ever had. And even if you look at the scorers, which I know, oh my, we're in a rush, so we, we won't go into. The scorers are largely dominated by uh, the players as well on the top Premier League uh, goal scorers with oh my, Gabby on top. Yeah, it might be it might be an idea at the beginning of the part to tell the listeners where this positivity is, just so they can just search it out rather than miserable <laughs> yeah. stuff. Just, yeah. just snip it out and release it as a bonus yeah. episode. Right? Yeah, yeah. To be fair, um, we, did, we did spend fifteen minutes talking about Kesler Hayden, I think. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, line up. I would go four two three one. He won't, but I would. Uh, I would drop both McGinn and Ramsey and play uh, Louise and Kamara as a double pivot. Agree. I would keep Coutinho in, actually, but not at Buenzi's expense. If I was playing a 4-2-3-1, you can easily play both. If Coutinho starts and Buendia doesn't, regardless of the system, I'm going to be absolutely furious after his performance uh, against um, Bournemouth. Um, uh, but I don't mind starting Coutinho alongside Buendia. In terms of result, oh God, I don't know. I thought Everton looked decent against Chelsea. I watched some of the game and I watched the highlights. Um, I don't think they're going to be easy to beat, but I think we might sneak it 2-1. Giaro, your prediction? Uh, I'm just going to get a very quick prediction. I think we're going to scrape a really terrible win. 1-0 with some sort of 86th minute bundled in. I'll take that. I'll take that, mate. 100% will take that right now. Carl, did you give me a prediction? Sorry. No, no, I didn't. Um, I'm going to go for... 2-0 2-0 win. There'll be a sort of mid-first half goal and then we'll score our second quite late on. All right, okay. I'm going to go... Oh, 25 others. <laughs> yeah. No, he's yeah. not in the mood. Not in the mood, I don't no, think. No, no. Uh, it's, not, it's not that pod. It's not that pod. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not uh, a manager in sort of mood. I'm going to go for... I think I... I sorry, Yara, I'm going to copy your result. Uh, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for a 1-0 because I think Everton do, did look hard to beat and I think they will... Be hard to be, but I can't see him scoring many goals with obviously with the no forwards. So um, I'm going to go for a one nil. I think we're going to score early, and uh, it's going to be a tough eighty or so minutes holding on to a one nil lead. But what, one one nil, but an XG loss. It sounds like you're saying, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah XG loss. Yeah. That's not that's not what you should be apologising to me for anyway. You should be apologising to me for denying me this uh, a fabulous Villa vault. That, uh, oh yeah, I oh, no, I'm sorry, but it's already one one hour ten and. Uh, yeah. yeah well, you were that. you were gonna do Paul Lambert's first home game. Um, let's quickly do it. Let's quickly. Let's quickly do it. Come on. Let's go. Right, got, just just fire, fire, fire some names at me. It was a three-one. You got you've got three minutes. Go. 
Okay, 25th uh, of August, 2012. Three uh, minutes. Okay, so uh, uh, is this Paul Lambert's Paul first, Lambert's home, first game? home game? Oh, God. Uh, it, it was a 3 1 defeat. Um, uh, oh, I remember it. Al Ahmadi scored, didn't he? That, uh, Al Ahmadi uh, scored on his yeah. home debut, yes. Pinar um, and Osman, was it for Everton? Uh, oh. Yes, Pinar did score, yeah. Did Brett Holman play for us at this stage? Brett yeah, Holman did. came on as a, sec- uh, as a half-time substitute. Finally, yeah. So I think I think okay. Let's go to the back. So Guzan would have been Guzan would have been at the back. Loughton. It wasn't Guzan. It wasn't oh, was Guzan. It, oh, was it given? Given. Shay given. Shay given. La- Guzan La- was on the bench. Loughton, Vlar, Clark. Loughton, Vlar, Clark. Yep. Who's left back? Richardson? No, no, no. He uh, I think Loughton was left back because I I think this other defender must have been playing right back. He's not normally a right back, but he will, I think he was in this game. Oh, God, who's that then? Uh, uh, it came up for the youth ranks. Um, Lehigh. Kind of, uh, no, um, centre half normally. Chris Heard. Chris Heard. N- no, Chris Heard was there, but I think he was in midfield. Oh, right. oh God. Who's this? Uh, God, we had a bit of positivity, and now we've got Chris Heard in midfield. <laughs> Chris, Chris, this this you, team, this, this is why I was looking forward to this, because this team was Barry, particularly shit. Was Barry Bannon in? Barry Bannon was there in the midfield with Chris oh. Heard and Anil Amadi. I, I think that was our midfield three. I'm interested in this right back. That is lightweight. We did well to lose 3-1 in this one. Who so the, the right back, going? who I think is the right back. Um, yeah, he's like a sort of big, big guy centre-half. Kind of oh, Nathan back. Baker. There you Nathan go. Baker. There you go. Did no, he, no, he, he played left, right he, he play left back. He played left back. Yeah, okay, yeah. so oh. he would have been left back. Still, still dead. Still awful. You're missing the front three. Uh, Gabby Wyman. Gabby Wyman. No, no. Uh, no. Wyman was on the bench, but didn't come on. Ben, uh, Darren Bent. No, Darren Bent. Darren Bent. Yes. In Zogbia. In Zogbia. Yes. <laughs> and then you're uh, missing another another fine youth. Stephen Island. Product. Oh no. No. Oh, oh, no uh, a product uh, of our youth academy went on to score at least three goals in his career. Nathan Delfonso. Nathan Delfonso. Oh, Did he, he start? started? He started. <laughs> yeah. what? It was Nathan Delfonso that went off for Brett Holman at halftime. Eric Lee oh, High gosh. came on for Chris Hurd at 59 minutes and Vyman came on for Barry Bannon. In a way, <laughs> guys, in a way, this has cheered me up. Yeah. <laughs> God. And, 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 oh, no wonder we lost 3-1. Stephen Island was on the bench. The only decent player in this whole squad is Fabian Delph, who is an unused substitute. Can I just oh, say, can I just, can I just say, was he injured or something? Yeah. He must have been injured. And, and also, also Fabian Delph wasn't the Fabian Delph that we got to know under Lambert. Yeah. This was the beginning of Fabian Delph uh, resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Goal, Lam, 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 Lambert, Lambert is, I think, really underrated because that, that is the, the worst. <laughs> to get a 3-1 out of that, out of that <laughs> lineup. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, uh, goals for Pinar, Fellaini and Jelovic in the first half and then, yeah, Alec Mardi. And uh, yeah, this is... Um, do, do you recall that start to that season? I think Lambert yeah, Sw- got Swansea, two, Swansea. Two, yeah, two Swansea wins did. in the first 12 games, it looks like. Yeah, um, yeah but we beat, we beat Swansea. Isn't, yeah, that, isn't we... that what Gerard's got? Two, out of 12, two wins out of 12? Uh, yeah, yeah, four out of 24. Yeah. We, beat, we beat Swansea so. and Stoke, wasn't it? Was it Stoke? Uh, no, Stoke was no Stoke we, was late. No, Stoke beat, was later on. Beat Swansea and Sunderland away, um, Sunderland. and then and then we had the slight uptick in form where we went five and beat and beat Liverpool away, and then what happened? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost to Bradford. The, and the, all that. the eight nil, the eight nil at Stamford yeah. Bridge, Stamford followed Bridge. by the four nil at home to Chelsea, followed by the four nil at home to Wigan. Um, oh, that yeah. was right. 
That was uh, a spectacular 15-0 aggregate loss over, over the course of about a week. Thanks, Yaro. That is... Well, we did it. We did it. We got well, it in. Lambert years. I love Lambert years. Lambert years. We're doing another Lambert years Villa Vault because that, that, it's just... Yeah. There's nothing better than I that. I did all right then as well. Yeah, it wasn't right. the 90s and I did all right. Yeah, got well done. All right, boys. Thank you for your time. Uh, sorry, it's a bit rushed at the end, but you know we've uh, we've gone through a I lot. That in makes that part. Villa Vault more fun, actually, when it's got a kind of Does, yeah, 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 like fast paced. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that yeah. next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll get. Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. But yeah, thanks, boys. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. It's good to be back. Good to vent. Um, sorry if it was a bit downtrodden, but it is. It is what it is. You know, given the uh, given the result and what's happened. But you know, there's still 37 games to go, so plenty oh, God, of uh, chance. <laughs> Sorry, not supposed to say that. I was trying to be positive. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be we back. Again. We'll be back. We'll uh, go again. We'll go, again. We'll go again. We'll go again. Sleep, roll your sleeves up. We'll be back. Uh, we might try and do spaces post-game, or uh, two or three of us maybe, yeah, whoever's free. Uh, but we'll be back definitely next week for, for, for a post-match special. But yeah, thanks, boys. Thanks for listening. And uh, up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.